0: Good evening, and welcome to HealthBeat, a program where WDIY and the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health discuss our local social determinants of health. I'd like to once again welcome our co-host, Edward Meehan, the Executive Director of the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health. And tonight, we're also very pleased to welcome Dr. Carol Burks, the Interim Superintendent at the Allentown School District. Welcome, Dr. Burks. How are you? Thank you, Greg. I'm doing well, thanks. And yourself? Very good. And Edward, welcome to you, sir.
1: Good evening, Greg. It's always good to be with you, and I'm really looking to do this evening's conversation.
0: Yeah. Dr. Burks, you now call the Allentown School District your home, correct?
2: Uh, I think so. <laughs> yes, that is
0: correct. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> Dr. Burks <laughs> has served you. at all levels of education. She's been a teacher, a state school district leader, including serving as a principal, assistant superintendent and chief of staff for Hartford Public Schools and superintendent of schools for New Haven Public Schools and Chester Upland Schools District in Chester, Pennsylvania. Dr. Burks is an executive coach and has coached public and private sector leaders. Dr. Burks also holds a doctoral degree and master's degree in education leadership from Columbia University Teachers College. She also earned a master's degree in education from the University of Bridgeport and a bachelor's degree in political science from Hampton University. Did I get that all right? Did I get that correct, Dr. Burks?
2: Yes, you did. Thank you.
0: All right. I need to take you on the road with me. (laughs) You're a busy woman. How do you keep it all going?
2: I'm just balancing quite well these days. Thank
0: you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dr. Burks, on our last show, we were pleased to be joined by longtime Allentown resident Dan Boskett. Dan's played a role in the Allentown NAACP chapter and now currently with Community Action Lehigh Valley. In the show, we discuss the importance of understanding community connectivity and how a lack of background and understanding of a community can lead to unintended consequences, such as those Dan experienced in previous urban renewal projects back in the 1960s. You come to us from outside the region and you are now leading the third largest urban school district in Pennsylvania. With that said, you've started community meetings and have consistently engaged with students, parents, and stakeholders to learn their backgrounds and perspectives. So what are you learning about the Allentown School District after your
2: start here? First, again, I want to say thank you, Greg, for inviting me to participate on your program. And you know what I'm learning? I love this community. I've learned that the children, faculty, staff, and all the families are just amazing. And that there are so many people who really want to see our district successful and who are committed to ensuring that the 16,000 plus students in which I serve, as well as the faculty and staff who are entrusted in their care are successful. And they feel connected to this community, that they feel valued, that they feel cared for, that they feel loved. So that's what I'm learning. People really want to be closely uh, tied to the great work that we're doing. They want to be acknowledged. They want to learn. They want to be empowered to succeed. And so that's what I'm learning. And I'm also learning that we have so many groups who are interested and who are impassioned about ensuring that the district is successful and that we need to basically um, take all those efforts and make them more coherent and more aligned and ensure that we are working in partnership with each other. Can you dig That's into that a like.
0: little bit about open up, uh, you know, how you, how you need to uh, unpack the, the things that you said when you have these meetings? Are they roundtable meetings? Are they larger meetings? What are they like?
2: They're various. All I've, I'll talk to one person, and then maybe 200 people in a room or 300 people in a room. But what I've, I'm asking specifically is, you know, what are the strengths of our district? What are the areas of growth? And of course, that magical question: What would you do first if you were me? So many people feel like they are experts, you know, when you're standing on the sidelines, yeah, and so that's I'm a great learning question. a great deal.
0: <laughs> that's a great question. So what would you do first? You are you. <laughs>
2: So what I'm doing is I'm walk, working really, uh, and I'm being very t- intentional about building relationships. You know, there's there's a researcher, Dr. James Comer, and he said, no significant learning can take place unless there's a relationship. It's all about relationships, relationships, and relationships. And so I'm talking with people, I'm holding hands, I'm hugging folks, I'm listening to them. I'm also not just learning, but I'm also leading and focusing and paying quick attention to what they're telling me. Even if it's something as small as, you know, I can't access uh, Skyward, or I can't ass- access OCTA, all these things, that all these various programs and things that we have throughout the district. Mm-hmm. And what I'm, what I'm hearing, I'm immediately uh, having my team execute on trying to solve those problems. And I'm hearing that I always want to become a teacher. Well, I I went to Allen, I went to Derof, and I want to be connected more mm-hmm. to this community. And I'm saying to my team, what can we do? This person served in a certain role for 25 years, and they want to go to the next level. How do we build their capacity? And we are creating those conditions for that. And I'm talking with various partners to help address and solve some of those barriers that are keeping people from moving to the next phase.
1: Greg, I think that the uh, the challenges that we have uh, in addressing social determinants of health, education in particular, are so great that, to Dr. Burks's point, uh, it's very relationship-driven. You ha- you have to be able to understand where people are coming from to to be able to get your arms around these highly complex problems. What what we talk about at the institute, expression we use a lot, is that change happens at the speed of trust. Um, so you have to be able to understand what these larger dynamics are if you're going to get at some of the real thorny challenges that we have that are very deep and very ingrained. So so Greg, I have a follow-on question to Dr. Birx. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, speaking, yeah. of, speaking of uh, various meetings that she's having and people that she's meeting with, uh, early in her tenure in November, she was good enough to attend the Lehigh Valley Health Network's first annual community health symposium. And that was a day where we were talking about the social determinants and factors that influence health beyond health care, education in particular, and we know that education is a very powerful uh, influencer of health, and conversely, health is a very powerful influencer of, of education. So I'm, I'm curious, I, this was so early in uh, in your time here in Allentown, Dr. Burke, that I was wondering, what were your key takeaways from
2: that day conversation? So I want to first say, I want to thank um, LBHN for inviting me. It was one of my very first few days of work. So, and it was a great opportunity uh, to meet some amazing people and also, you know, really hear how committed people are to ensuring that not only that students and their families are educating me, but that they have access to high quality healthcare. Um, Also in my discussions and then just in my listening, it also made me um, heighten my awareness between the strong correlation between health and education. As someone who has served in um, various roles in education for approximately 12, 27 years, I've learned that education provides people with the skills and knowledge to succeed and contribute to their communities. That's why even myself, I've been such an advocate to ensure that students of color, students who live in urban centers, students who live in poverty, that they have the right resources that they need, and as well as the adults who are entrusted in their care to to get what they need. And I've been able to um, go against the grain, if you will, (laughs) in ensuring that we're creating the conditions that they feel connected to our organization. And I've also spent uh, the past four years myself serving on a board of a regional hospital in Connecticut. And most recently I was asked um, named to be sit to sit on the finance committee for the health system at large, which I was like, wow, this is amazing. They asked me <laughs> um, to do this. And so by attending LVHN's event, it really made me think through and reflect even about my own life and how my mother and father, they had very little, little public or formal education. And so, and some of the illnesses that they face given the, where they grew up and the exposure that they had to the factories and things that they worked in, it's because they did not have, one of the reasons why, because so they did not have a high quality education. And I've really taken my experiences being educated and fortunately from earlier on in my life through sitting here with someone who has very, a mother with very little formal education to sitting here with a master's and doctor doctorate from Columbia University shows the power of education as well as having the experience of understanding health and being more conscientious about the the impact the health has on someone's long-term life's trajectory. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: I also was really intrigued by the data system that was exposed to all the participants. And it made me think about my study at Columbia, in which we looked at uh, Jeffrey Canada's work in the Harlem Children's Zone and how he really mobilized the community to look at health, uh, to look at every aspect of the community in service to schools, even starting as young as uh, mothers when they were pregnant with their children and the baby college that he established, moving through ensuring that there was um, at the pre-K level and as well on up through high school that students had access to health, you know, dental clinics and all those great things. And some of those uh, particular initiatives we have in our own district as the quality to dental clinic, um, social emotional supports and others. But it really made me think about, just think how Allentown could really come together. And we take that data system that they have at LVHN and use it to drill down that at this, this particular section of the community, uh, and I'm gonna get, I know people have great pride in this community outside of town, so I'm not gonna mention one because I might mess up. And so, well, but you, they, you've, <laughs> you've been here just long enough, Dr. Brooks. <laughs> yes. And so, <laughs> but someone who lives that there are families who live in this particular area of the community and they have asthma, or they the mother has or parents or have uh, not high quality educational experiences, mm-hmm. how we can drill down and before their children even enter school equip them with the resources and mobilize them, health resources, social, emotional supports, and others, access to workforce development in various aspects of this particular community so that we can change the trajectory of the community. So I walked away really empowered, feeling like, wow, if we could just galvanize everyone, organize ourselves, really unpack those data sets to be very intentional about the work of what we call in education, protecting the instructional core. And the instructional core is the relationship between students, teachers, and content. And if we work together in concert and ensure that the families and, you know, there's a researcher, I'm back, to, no, I'm getting excited, <laughs> right? Well, it <laughs> sounds like that. that's, that's terrific. That, <laughs> yes, yes, that um, families and communities have such a great impact on improving student outcomes. Now, first, there's the teacher. The teacher has the greatest, is the greatest lever. Then the principal. But the third, Bright says, the community and families have such a significant impact on a child's success. So think about this, as this community, if we got around the table and say, here's our focus as a collective community, I don't know, Ed, maybe we can some type of steering board, committee whatever, and say, we're gonna be intentional about this is what's gonna happen. And not only we're we gonna do this, we're gonna hold each other accountable to ensure that we're producing outcomes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. excited? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, but, Greg, you excited? Absolutely. I excited absolutely. Dr. Really? Burks,
0: how do you hold people accountable to uh, perform these actions?
2: I think in having a clear deadlines and a timeline of what we're going to do, as well as bringing people back together and saying, okay, where are we? And checking our progress periodically. Because sometimes we give people plans but we don't check in. We don't check in to see what supports they need to be successful. And what I've done with our team throughout the district, we've uh, had everyone identify. We haven't gotten to our teachers at scale yet. It's a few of them, but every other uh, employee group, we've identified accountability partners to Ad, hold us accountable for the things that we're doing. And yes.
0: I know that the Leonard Parker Poole Institute for Health is looking forward to working with Dr. Burks what do you see as some of your first actions with the Allentown School District of course you've been work you've been working with the Allentown School District your whole career but when the two of you sit down together what are you looking to do
1: Every, greg everything that dr burks is talking about resonates with me in our work absolutely so let me just there's she mentioned so many exciting ideas i won't get them all in my head but the the ones that jump out to me are data extremely important the analysis, the analytics of the data. We, are, we tend to have lots of agencies that are drowning in data but don't have actionable information. And so one of the things that we have that LVHN has is Lehigh Valley Health Network's Pool Center for Health Analytics. Now this is a very valuable resource and tool for the community because you can really look at data across sectors. So you can compare education attainment with housing with criminal justice, with public safety, with any number of things that also influence health and health as well. So the data is extremely important. The other thing that Dr. Burks is mentioning that is equally important and something that we, at our own risk, would not do is having the authentic voice of the community. And so place really matters. Having, a, having the neighborhood level uh, of involvement in the community really, really does matter. So we use an expression at the Institute for Health no data without the story, no story without the data. We put those two things together and they're extremely powerful. Now, the third piece about holding accountable, I find to be easy if we can identify what is in everyone's enlightened self-interest to do together. Cooperation is difficult. You've got to get out of your own head space. You've got to get out of your own office. You've got to get out of your own agency. But what do you gain if you could successfully work with others who see different facets of the diamond than you, and how can you create win-win-win opportunities? So I don't see accountability to one another as this punitive thing, like there's a boss in charge, because there's kind of not. But how do we work together in a way that says, together is better, we can do a better job, we can all serve our respective missions, uh, whether we're not-for-profit agencies or private sector or the school district or city hall, or whoever it might be to say, Together we can do a better job. It's hard because you've got to break out of the silos that we're in, but how do we go about doing that? Because that would be the prize.
2: Ed, you are, let me tell you, I'm so excited about the, what you just said. It's um, we've been branding, we've, we get better together, all our strengths are needed throughout the organization. And just like you said about the accountability partners, it's about holding you up. Like if I, you fall short in the area, your accountability partner will help build on your strengths so that you're successful and you build on that person's strengths and we multiply everyone's strengths. And that's my vision for our whole learning community to do just that.
0: Dr. Burks, can you speak to people, young people who are thinking about becoming a teacher? It's no longer creating a classroom plan. It's more of a holistic type of approach,
2: isn't it? Absolutely. You know, when we're educating children, we have to look at the whole child. And, you know, as a district, we're working on developing a whole child framework. We have many organizations that are supporting our schools, but what what do we expect the outcomes to be? You know, there's various different philosophies and ideologies about how we support children and their social emotional wellness, but that is so paramount. And so anyone who wants to enter the field of education, truly your job is, of course, to ensure that students have the academic or what we call the cognitive developmental things they need to be successful, math, science, reading, all those great things, but also the social emotional wellness. It's very difficult to learn if people don't feel connected to you that you care about them and they don't feel great about themselves. So, you know, as educators, it's also our charge to empower a sense of values uh, within children, uh, helping them with their self-regulation, empower them to feel connected in a sense of belonging to the schools and to the organizations that are supportive of them. So we need teachers. So any young people listening, we need teachers. And right. I'd love to help you on that trajectory and getting there. And it can be fun, can't it? It is a lot of fun. I make it fun anyway. <laughs> well you're having but yes fun. You, and I had absolutely. a lot of fun when I was a teacher.
0: <laughs> what are some of the but things that what are some of the things that keep you up at night? When you when you look at the whole obviously you have a lot of experience here, but what, what are some key elements that you just go, hey, if I could just get this going, this would really be great?
2: I think just along the lines of what you just said, I need teachers. We need staff. Unfortunately, you know, education ha- it has not been the profession that many of some of the younger people want to enter in. You know, our pay is not as comparable to some o- other sectors. And so we need teachers. So one, that keeps me up at night, making sure that every child has a teacher who cares about them who loves them and they're able to receive a high quality education um, what also keeps me up at night is that you know as a district fortunately people would think and i say this this way that we are in the great fiscal uh position and yes we were fortunate to receive about 88 million dollars in essers funds uh, however those funds are due to expire or to be exhausted you know, at the uh, beginning of 2024, so September 1st, 2024. So we were able to use those resources now to support our infrastructure, you know, with our facilities and such, and some of our curriculum work and social emotional work and leadership development. However, when those dollars go away, we have positions that we funded on those particular, using those particular funds. So that keeps me out up at night. Like how do I work to sustain our staffing levels with limited resources and also appeal to legislators and others to continue on with these with these dollars because they make such a f- significant impact in ensuring that our students are successful as well as the adults adults who are entrusted in their care
0: so if money's keeping you up at night what can our listeners do to assist you in getting you more
2: well, it depends on <laughs> who's listening. But uh, one, of course, I'm sure there's great uh, philanthropic support out there to support us with our work, as well as, of course, the decision makers who make, who contribute most to our overall operation is our legislators. And so helping to advocate and appeal to them to ensure that Allentown gets what it needs to be successful. You know, we have a, um, you can see, if you look at our trends as it relates to funding, we were in you know many situations within the past 10 years in this district that we didn't have adequate resources that we need needed to make sure we provide the experiences that we would like for our students. And so like I said, one would say, well, you got a four hundred million budget. But if we put it in context, we have more than 16,000 students that we serve. We also have a like 2,100 employees. We have 25 buildings. We also have to support our charter students with uh, within our catchment area. So we have to uh, transport them to school and provide other services. So if anyone who's listening runs an organization, mm-hmm. it's really not a lot of money and mm-hmm. there are certain restrictions on how we use the resources. So some. so.
1: And Greg, I, w- I would say that for uh, our listening audience, that um, You might be thinking, well, it's not my responsibility. I don't have a child in the Allentown School District, or maybe I don't live in the Allentown School District. But I will tell you that the disparity in educational attainment uh, affects all of us. We all feel it. And having a good, healthy, uh, and well-educated Lehigh Valley is extremely important. So it's it's in our enlightened self-interest to pay attention and be supportive of this
0: and Dr. Burks has incredible enthusiasm here, and we thank her for that. And we're excited to welcome her to the Lehigh Valley and Allentown School District. What are some of the data points that you can provide that maybe could help her we, create continue this enthusiasm and, and communicate the enthusiasm?
1: Yes, exactly. And and realize that um, at least in, in my work on health. Education is a very powerful determinant of whether people are healthy or not. Uh, fewer ed- years of education is associated with life expectancy. In fact, maybe as much as 10 to 14 years difference in life expectancy, and shorter lifespans for people who are less educated. People who have less education levels are less likely to, more likely to smoke, more likely to be overweight, more likely to have chronic diseases, less likely to wear seatbelts. Uh, more likely to experience disability, less likely to be able to pay their health bills, less likely to understand what a prescription is, uh, less likely to have the resources necessary to, to support themselves in so many ways. Once again, you might say, why is this my responsibility? Well, it's not your responsibility, but it does wash up on your shore. And you might need to think about that a little bit because if we're really going to have continued quality of life for the Lehigh Valley, we have to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to participate and participate fully. When I went
0: to school, now we're talking 40, 50 years ago, we'd sit down at the family table at after dinner, and both my parents were working, and uh, my dad look at me and say, are anything today? I go, eh, you know, the <laughs> the old uh, the 1960s model, if you will. Parents really need to drill into this a little bit more, don't they now?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we want to ensure that not only are kids getting the education similar to the way we received it, Greg, you know, in terms of you know, the kind of womp, womp, womp. Yeah, and that, it's like, different. Talk and talk, right. But we, as educators, and, and we need our families to support us, you know, for us to create what we call more authentic learning experiences for students in which they, what we're teaching them from a theoretical frame, we give them opportunities to apply that learning. And so, and that we, and I, you know, I'm an educator, so I know I'm using a little bit of edgy jargon, but I'm an educator, so I gotta use that. And so, but they're, um, you know, taking people what we to what we call to the more higher levels of of Bloom's taxonomy, basically meaning pushing students to analyze information and to create and design as opposed to the way we were educated as we are, um, we were, just memorizing lots of facts (laughs) and things and didn't really see the correlation between those facts and real world. So we in, encourage families to help us. So if your child comes home, and they say, well, I learned how to, um, I don't know, bat- I'm going to use, you know, I'm old because people don't do this Me as much. Too. <laughs> well, even I don't. Balance a checkbook. You know what I mean? But right, so right. if they learn these kinds of skills in school, <laughs> we want them to actually write the checks at home for the family. So that's a more of an authentic learning experience.
0: What questions can parents ask when they're sitting around the table with their
2: children after school day? I think, you know, of course, some of the basic questions of what did you learn today and how does that relate to the real world? How does that impact us? What does that mean to you as a a girl? What does that mean to you as a boy? What does that mean to you to be a, a, a Latino student or African-American or a Caucasian mm-hmm. student? Like, how does this connect to you, our family and the next level for us? I think is paramount.
0: It's really listening. And what can you fix? Listening and what can you fix asking more here? questions <laughs> probably. Yeah.
1: Ed, we're getting close to the end here. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, my, I was just thinking, Greg, that this is too short a conversation for yes. the topic that we're covering, uh, way too short a conversation, uh, so needs to be more discussion. Uh, we referenced the Lehigh Valley Health Network Community Health Symposium. There will be a report on that that we will share. Some of the findings uh, that I think Dr. Burke's very intuitively highlighted uh, will be uh, discussed, and I think we can talk about that in one of our future uh, shows. But I, I just uh, think that uh, the the success of the Allentown School District is extremely important to the success of the entire Lehigh Valley. And I congratulate and wish Dr. Burks all the success in her in her efforts, her her staff, uh, parents, and families who are involved in the students uh, in the school district.
2: And thank you, Ed, and thank you, Greg, for having me serve on this show. And just remember, we get better together and all our strengths are needed. And if you want to support us in our work, we welcome uh, you uh, contacting us. And so if you could contact us at superintendent at allentownsd.org and follow us on our Facebook page, Allentown School District, as well as Instagram and LinkedIn. If you follow us there, Twitter, all of us and see the amazing magic that is happening throughout the Allentown School District. Thank you.
0: And Dr. Burks, you really want to be contacted, don't
2: you? I do. <laughs> well, we have to differentiate, right. so you can't say I couldn't get you. We're going to give you multiple ways to connect with us.
0: Yeah, it's it's terrific. Your your enthusiasm is greatly appreciated in the Lehigh Valley and the Allentown School District. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, Dr. Burks. Definitely come on back and visit us again. Uh, this has been I'd a really love educational to. show, and uh, Edward, of course. As always, uh, thank you. Thank Dr. you, Greg. Yeah, Dr. Carol Burks, the Interim Superintendent of the Allentown School District, and, of course, Edward Meehan of the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much to both of you for your time today. You've been listening to HealthBeat on WDIY 88.1 FM. I'm Greg Caponia. Have a great evening.